All right, welcome to the Nitty Gritty. Very, very cool episode this week. I know we say that every week. <laughs> well, they are all pretty cool, but we had Dan Davis from Sturry Productions, right? Sturry, is that Sturry? I think it's just called Sturry. It's called Sturry, yeah. What do you say? Stories Stur- that like stir? Stories that stir. Yeah. And Dan, man, such a cool guy in his own right, like such great stories in his own right. But how we fan- found Dan is he is the one doing the document documentary about our dear friend Kim White. Yep. And it sounds like it's getting close to being finished. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, we just thought it'd be really cool to have him in here and talk a little bit about Kim and her story. But just like every time we meet someone new, they're... Their story is incredible, and we didn't even get to talk about it. There's so much more to his story personally that we didn't really get to talk about, but you'll learn after a few minutes exactly why he was a right fit for Kim. Why she chose him. Why she chose him, right? Yep. And I kind of feel like Kim is the ultimate connector. There are so many people that, just in my life, like friends that I have, Andrew, you probably say the same thing, that are all because of Kim. She's still connecting people, even, you know, 10 months after she she passed and so really really cool episode really cool to kind of hear the story about how the documentary came came to be yeah and you know they maybe some help you know maybe some of you can help him with the end of that he'll talk about like their last couple of challenges and what they're trying to do and who knows someone listening might have right a brother cousin friend yeah they still need some help with distribution some help with some like music rights so so yeah listen to the story it's such a cool reminder of how special kim was and um yeah hope you love it welcome to nitty gritty we have a new friend with us today dan davis from sturry so dan thank you so much for coming in today awesome to be here excited i'm not gonna lie a little nervous about the episode me too (laughs) gosh i've been kind of yeah, I'm kind of nervous about this, and just because the subject matter is near and dear to all of our hearts. Yep. And so, so Dan, you are the founder of Sturry, and is it just a doc? Is it a documentary, or is it like a production company? Like, yeah, wh- we, like, we, how, how do you define it? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, we we have constantly had to redefine it because of the projects we take on yeah. the short films, full length documentaries, series, okay. um, stuff like that. But we are also in the business of helping people discover their story, and so we have a lot of products and services that are geared towards that, not just with our stories, but oh, okay, very cool. And we were connected because you created a documentary with kim white right and i mean that's obviously going to be a big thing that we want to chat about on how that all came to be but that's how we originally were connected and now we're sitting down we get to chat a little bit more about it how many people is kim white connected in in the universe so So it's an incredible number i have a group of friends now that all were because of kim yeah. Well, and you've met all the crazy And it just girls. it just continues. <laughs> you know, it just continues. It, it does. It, it and it doesn't surprise me ever that it does. So no. So before we jump into that, maybe let's get a little bit of background on you and kind of how Sturry was started and and why, and maybe learn a little bit more about you. Awesome. Well, you know, I it kind of just starts back with my own personal journey, um, like you know, all of these things do. I, for me, my story was ever developing after I graduated from business school and, 
and I took a lot of different jobs running different companies and, and had great opportunity as a, as a young entrepreneur to run some fairly large companies. And um, actually, I was down in Arizona, took an acquisition for a company down there and um, went from having, you know, under 20 employees to over 115 and oh, wow. um, multi-million dollar healthcare company down there at 30 and, and thought, you know, on my resume, wow, this is what I... It's what I trained for, you know, yeah. um, and, uh, and I was wrong, you know, that, that was just opposite of what I wanted to do with my career and, and nothing. Um, I, I've never been money has never been something that I've focused on. It's more opportunity. And that opportunity seemed, seemed huge for me. And then when I got there, I was like, I, this is not where I'm supposed to be the wrong industry. Um, you know, wrong opportunity for me but right in the, the uh, experience factor. Okay. Um, it just, it pointed me in the right direction. And just prior to that, I had run a film production company and got out of that industry because I, I thought that wasn't right for me because we were doing commercial productions and that was, for me, it was just soul-sucking work. Um, it was great, profitable work, but I, I just never really felt like I found my calling in that. I was disappointed in that industry. And so I had two back-to-back kind of disappointing ventures and that's what led me to be unemployed for three months. And I tell people, if you have an opportunity to be unemployed, it sounds really strange, but do it. <laughs> uh, because it, it is the only time, especially as a provider for a family, where you have time to sit and think and decide what you want to do with your life instead of just work, 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 work. Yeah. So when Corona hit, I remember I was talking to my business coach. We actually had her on the podcast, Stephanie. And she was, we were going through this idea and I was like, okay, Corona hit everything kind of paused, right? And my brain is like, okay, what are you going to do? I started coming with all these business ideas and just things started running. And she was like, there's a difference between efforted action and inspired action. And what you were just talking about, it's like you take over these companies and you just kind of, you, you effort your way through it. You can be successful, but as soon as you allow yourself to fall into that like inspired action realm, and for you, it was taking a couple of months off being unemployed. Right all of a sudden kind of the universe just aligns and everything becomes clear. And all of a sudden these steps just start to happen. That was really hard for me to kind of take the unemployed route, right? Like allow myself to kind of sit back and not do anything for a little bit. So that's really funny. That's what you brought up. That's yeah. really easy for me, actually. I'm a very <laughs> inspired person, obviously. I didn't really realize that until just now. So thank you. <laughs> so you step back a couple of months. I mean, I can imagine just in the few minutes you've said about all the different businesses, industries, I can imagine you were just going crazy with ideas or businesses you wanted to start or things you were going to do. How did you, how did you now get through that? Yeah, it was amazing. I, so I, I told my wife, I said, I can't, we had two little kids at home at the time and had just had our second baby and we had no health insurance, taken out a bunch of credit cards to live, moved in with my parents. So all of this is very, glamorous, you know, these decisions, you know, yeah. there's nothing like moving, going from CEO to, you know, stay, staying at home with your parents, um, and trying to look for a job. And, um, but it just felt right. You know, even though that just seemed like a stark contrast between what you're supposed to do and providing for a family, it just felt right to stop. And so I told my wife, I said, I got to go to work every day. Um, and, um, I got to get dressed, get up in the morning and go. And so I, I would go to networking things. I would go, I would, re I read a ton of books. I journaled for the first time in years. Um, I started to just explore different industries. When I had a job interview, I would just take it, even though it was a job, maybe I wouldn't 
wouldn't want or potentially wouldn't want, I would just take it. And it's funny because I got offered these really strange jobs that were great opportunities, but I had no experience doing them. And I figured out one of my greatest strengths was not something I was putting on a resume. It was just my ability to connect with people immediately. And in fact, um, what were some of those jobs? <laughs> one of them, it was interesting. Neaters. I, I, I interviewed, I've never run a restaurant before, right. <laughs> never done anything like that. And my first interview was for some, I don't even know what the job it was. I think it was actually to run a, a, a store opening in Idaho. And I was like, what the heck? And somehow I got the interview and then I interviewed and they said, Hey, the, the founder wants to meet you. And they offered, you know, they were like, we want to talk to you about this other job. And they were finding, trying to find a place for me in their company. And that's when it dawned on me. I was like, Hey, I, I need to use that somehow. I need to leverage that ability to connect with people um, that wasn't something I necessarily nurtured over the years. It was just something that was really, you know, I felt like was God given. And that just pointed me in the right direction, that experience <laughs> there um, to say, I got to find something that allows me just to do this every day and connect with people. Okay. And so, like, as you were going through that process, would you walk out of the interview and then, re- like, were you telling them no? Or like, were you just like yeah. kind of having fun with it? Like, no, I mean, I was, I was leave it open. <laughs> yeah, I leave it open. Um, it's like with, when you're trying something on. I'm gonna go check this. I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's, I, I don't know. I, I, um, to be fair to them, I would call them as soon as it, like, hey, this isn't the right thing. I would, I would call them or message them and just thank them for the opportunity. That probably made them want you more. Um, <laughs> and, and, like, and oh, what, damn it. What's funny is that's kind of what happened with right. a few of them. They said, well, why don't you come up and just see our facility? Why don't you know? And it, and for me, it was awesome because I got to dabble in a couple of different industries. Um, it, what really hurt though, actually was, is a job interview that we, um, I took, uh, I didn't want to get back into health car healthcare, but I, I just jumped in my car and went to this interview. And, um, I realized very quickly, they had already talked to my prior company and they really wanted me and they were prepared to offer me, um, the job. And, uh, and I, once again, I did not want to get back into that, yeah. you know, uh, that type of opportunity, but I heard him out and it started to feel really good and exciting. And then me and my wife went through our process of inspiration and she felt good about it. And I just had this, just this no. And, uh, she was like, this is better than an opportunity in Arizona. There was so much about it that was like, finally, we, we get to find get something. me out of my in-laws house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> that's exactly what my wife was saying. Um, and I, sometimes I wonder like, how did she do that? Like, it, like it was much easier for me to do that. Like, how did she for do that? Sure. Oh for, man. It, it was, you know, it was rough, but we got, we got used to our circumstances, yep. but it's actually my parents that allowed me to take a jump into being an entrepreneur again. And if we didn't live there, we wouldn't be able to do it. And so I turned down that job and it was the most painful. I walked out of there just like, Oh, just sick to my stomach. But that's when I met a, a person that had just this incredible story in one of my networking groups. And uh, he actually came to me looking for help to try to, to get a, he was unemployed as well. So it was the blind leading the blind. He was looking for me to <laughs> like help. He's like, help me find a job. You're all, yeah, I'm really good at that. Yeah, I don't have one. People right? calling me for like, hey, what's the best way to lose weight? <laughs> like, hey, dude, come eat, on, eat bring, your notepad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bring your notepad. Bring your notepad. So, so yeah, he, to make that story short, he came to me and said, I had this great, I have this great story. I'm not sure I should share it in a job interview. And I was like, that sounds like you had a career that, you know, you're in the mafia or something. It was just strange the way he proposed it to me. 
And so I said, why don't you come in? And, and I was just, I had this little closet my aunt gave me at um, her office that I could use while I was unemployed. It was super cool going to work in a windowless, you know, room. But uh, I was so grateful for her to do that for me because I got to sit down and think. And he came to that room and he told me this incredible story. And I was like, people need to hear this story. And you do need to say it in a job interview because I think people will hire you on the spot. Yeah. And I walked him through how to share it, um, walked him through how to, to, to show the outcome of that experience. How did you know how to do that? Um, just, I, it just came, it just came naturally to me, which okay. was so weird because in the film industry, I had run the business side. Yeah. I had never run the creative side. Okay. And then I went back to my time doing a documentary with the director that I worked for. And he always pulled me in to ask me creative decisions. And I always thought it was weird. I was like, I'm, I'm just here to run your business for you. Um, and that's when I realized, uh, you know what? The creative side might be where I'm supposed to be, mm-hmm. not the business side. And so I asked this guy, who was a tough story, really difficult. He was, um, he was in an accident. Uh, his wife died in that accident. He was um, in a coma, paralyzed, and eventually came out of that and was able to um, regain function of his entire body and run an Olympic-length triathlon. And so he's sitting there telling, and he's wow. the most unassuming guy. If you saw him, you would, you would not assume that he has been through something so tragic and also so heroic, yeah. you know? And um, that's, that's when I just said it. It was like a bolt of lightning for me. And this is not normally how inspiration comes to me, but I just said, can I, can I tell your story? And I had no idea what that even meant. <laughs> what that meant or how to do that. But I just felt inspired to say that. And he immediately just said, yes. And that was our very first story I did. I just took out a couple of credit cards, which my life was real excited about, you know, at that time too. <laughs> we were already going into a bunch of debt. And I just said, hey, I feel like I need to start a business. That very same day, she had the same inspiration while I wasn't even there in the home. So as soon as I said it, she was just, sorry. She, she was just in tears and said, I know this is what you're supposed to do. And that's when I met Nate and we told his story. And from then on, we took out a bunch of loans and debt and went and funded these stories. And God, you know, through this experience said, just keep doing this. And I was like, this is not what I learned in business school. Like, <laughs> it was very opposite. <laughs> did you know, I mean, because you worked at the production company, but you're on the business end. I mean, did you know the, like, the technical skills to produce that? No, I, I, I actually, all I knew was people. I knew the people to bring in to do that. I had no, I'd, I'd never been behind a camera, really. I'd been on set and I had produced things, but I had never operated any of that. And I still don't do that a lot. Yeah. I've hired people Rich to do dad, that. Rich dad, poor dad, man. <laughs> Who, not how? That's the thing. Like, if 100%. spend 20 minutes with me and you'll be like, how the hell do you own a restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm good at people. Yeah. And I'm good at barbecue. But that's the thing, like... I mean, based off of what I've heard so far, there's a depth to you that I don't think, maybe you don't give yourself credit for, maybe you do, but I mean, being good with people is one thing, but obviously you have a point of view and I'm kind of excited to get into this more, (laughs) like where that comes from, but you see things differently. At least that's what I'm picking up. Like you see, I think we'll call them artists, right? Like creative people. They really do th- see things through a different lens. And and I think most of the time, it was funny, we were talking about songwriters yesterday and how it's like, it's so rare to meet a really good songwriter that's also a really good performer. I think it's really hard to have both things. 
plus I think really good songwriters are generally kind of not troubled human beings, but they've been through some crap, yeah. right? And so they have those experiences to pull from. So, so yeah, it's really interesting to hear the whole business side thing. It's like all this experience you're going through was probably more beneficial than any film school would have ever been. Oh, I, I mean, I, <clears throat> I, my first business out of college failed and I saw it as a failure for a lot of years. Um, and then I realized that was not a failure at all. It catapulted me to the film industry. I wouldn't have gotten that job doing that. And then going down to Arizona, taking that acquisition, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have had the confidence to start a business unless I had gone down For there sure. and taken on such a big risk because I had done that with my wife already right. and it didn't go well and we were still paying off debt from that for my first business that was 10 years ago oh, that's, you know that's hard. and so all I, we need to give our wives <laughs> more further reason. reminders from yeah. the past <laughs> that's that that's what that's why that experience was so amazing to come right. home and her say yeah i had the same inspiration today i was like you just don't, you can't make that stuff up and right. that that's not there was no confusing aspect about that conversation it was very direct this is what we need to do. And, you know, it must have been pretty strong, strong inspiration too, because it's like the first time she probably heard it or felt it or whatever. She's like, "Wait, what the hell?" Did no, you say? yeah, yeah. Do you please, know what's been going on? Please no. She's like, <laughs> "No way." Just a hard pass on that one. Yeah, exactly. Spent the last month and a half praying about this. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I mean, just cool. so many of those, and I was just so lucky to have those failures and have those really challenging experiences, and to get to the lowest of lows, at least right. I thought back then. Um, and then and then come out of it and say, you're gonna take a even bigger risk than you've ever taken. You got two kids, no health insurance. You're living in your parents' basement, literally, <laughs> you know, right. and take another risk. And it, But it was so amazing because I had taken that time off from work and wasn't busy working 40 to, you know, 70 hours a week, right. every single week. That's when all the inspiration just, I call them downloads. So they just came. To smell the roses a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, and I wow. think that's possible for everybody, and that's why I started Stereos, to make sure that people understood, if you just slow down a minute, watch a film, read a book, have these inspirational things come to you, they'll just come more frequently right. if you're yeah, open to it. You have to kind of quiet, you have to, you have to be able to quiet like the noise, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, so as you start this first film, did it go smoothly? No, no. <laughs> like I can, uh, we talked about it yesterday. We just hired an intern from Louisiana that just moved here and she's into film and um, she's starting an apprenticeship with us. And she said, so how did this all start? And I'm like, it started with one story that didn't go so well <laughs> because we ended up reshooting almost the entire shoot because uh, we messed up on, on some of the camera settings and all this other stuff. And I, I that wasn't my mistake per se on the camera, but it was my mistake because I was leading the charge. I yeah. was directing that. Um, but what did go well is I, I realized really quickly I knew how to get a story out of somebody and make them comfortable. And that, that's what we were excited about from that. So what does that mean? I mean, what is that, like, what is that skill set or that talent that you found to help get a story out? Is it you knew the right questions to ask? You knew how to create an, I mean, like, what, what is that, right? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I used to think it was going to be the the traditional storytelling. You know, I need to research that. I need to figure that out. And then I was like, no, I just need to be me and connect with people. Yeah. And that's 
that's the most important thing. And I, I don't even remember if I came to that shoot with a list of questions. Yeah. Um, I just decided from an early stage, I'm going to, I'm going to interview this person as if we've known each other our entire life and just let it be natural. Didn't study anything about film, didn't study anything about interviewing or what a director, you know? Yeah. But I just, I just said, we're going to use connection um, and that's how we're going to get the story out. And it, man, it was just a beautiful process uh, so hearing that. Was the first one, was it like, if you watched it, was it just you and what'd you say, Nate? Nate, yeah. Just sitting across from each other talking. Is that yeah. basically what it was? Yeah. And we cameras were just on Nate. We had a couple angles. Um, I brought in a couple guys that um, were my old producer from my last company and um, and a guy that did our lighting and, and helped us with the cameras and everything. And uh, I just got to sit down and just worry about the subject, um, worry about Nate. And, uh, that's all it was. It, it just took that two hour interview with him okay. to just realize, Hey, this is, this is what I'm, I'm meant to do. Yeah. And so from there, like from the business side, is that something that like you, like as you were doing this, cause that's the world you came from, right? You came from numbers and business and stats and metrics to, I'm just going to go and create, feeling. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, as you, feeling. <laughs> like as you just like sit down and you're like, okay, I mean, were you battling this thing? Okay. How am I going to monetize this? Where's the business in this? Absolutely. Am I charging for this? Why was someone going to pay me for that? Right. Like, yeah. like, like what was that? So, so much of that, that's, that was the hard part. I kept going back to the drawing board, figuring out, okay, I got to support my family with this. How many months? It was like, how many credit cards and how many months can I take out to continue this? Yeah. And there's one thing of living your mission and what you're supposed to do. And there's another thing doing that and providing for a family. And that's, that can be really difficult. Yep. And so I, I just, I, I st stuck with the idea that, Hey, this is what I'm supposed to do, but let's figure out how to monetize this. Yeah. And it was so funny. Every time I went to the monetization aspect, I felt like God was like, just keep telling these stories. And I was like, that can't be right. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that does not make, I, I can't provide for my family if I just go keep doing these stories, right? Well, cause yeah, cause I mean, you, you create this beautiful documentary or film, you have this amazing story, but it's like, now what? Right? Like you have this thing, it's like, where does it go? Who's going to see it? How do I get it out? Why do people do it? Are they paying me to see it? I mean, yeah, I'm right. That's where, that's where I go yep. with something like that. Every time, every time. But I, I was so blessed because it, all it took was a $700 job um, from a good buddy of mine that had started a business with his brother that had seen our work and said, we really want you to tell our story. And we, at the time, we didn't know what to charge for that. I knew the financial side, but this type of business, I was so different from commercial work. Yeah. So um, it just took, they said, all we have is $700. And I said, $700 more than we made over the last six months. <laughs> and we took it. And that was our first domino. Um, okay. We did that story and started still do some more for free. Um, and, and, well, those aren't free more that I put on the credit card is what it was. Yep. Um, and then there was a few paid ones here and there and they weren't very much, a couple thousand. And then because we had that big library, that, that was what was so amazing to watch it in hindsight. Because we had that library of content, companies started to watch that. And um, the first client, big client we got was Icon Fitness. Okay. And uh, their iFit brand. 
And the director of marketing came into the room for that meeting. He was running late and I was kind of wondering how the meeting was going to go. At that point, we didn't have a pricing structure. And he said, I want you to do, I mean, he just sat down. It was just very frank with me. I want you to do what you're doing for your platform, but for ours. That was just his, his only metric. Um, he said, we have these four or five stories we want you to do. They're all around the world. Um, I just want you to do what you're doing already with Sturry. Just do it for us. And that was, that was the first big domino that fell and gave us some just incredible content, incredible opportunities, and some of the, the best people I've ever met across you know the country. And, and even we traveled to Australia for that one. And these are people that are now family that have opened up other opportunities. And that's just how it came. And it's cool to look back and say, you know, from a faith-based standpoint, you did what you're supposed to do. You felt inspired to do it. You followed through with that, stayed true to your word and your vision, and look what happened. How long ago was that? Uh, that was when that first big domino fell. That was about four years ago, almost exactly. Wow. So how did you come up with the name Sturry? Yeah, that was a tricky one because nowadays all these people from all over the world are just buying up domain names, uh-huh. you know, and every word imaginable is taken. Right. And I knew it had to have story in it. I was trying to describe that emotion that happens in you when you see something that just hits you right in the soul. And so stir came to us. We were, you know, let's call it stories that stir, stirry. Um, and I looked up the domain. Of course, it was several thousand dollars. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, oh, should we do it? And that's when we just, we still had no money. And I was like, all right, how many more credit cards can I apply for? <laughs> and I don't know how I still, I got up to 13 credit cards and I still don't know how I kept getting approval for those. And the one at the time was a $13,000 credit card. And I, I felt like the richest man on earth because <laughs> I was like, the rest of them were 2,500 or whatever. They're right. like, this guy has no job. <laughs> His business makes no money. Wow. And we'll give him this. And I, so we purchased that domain. And uh, super glad we did, obviously, because now um, our name and our brand um, means exactly what we said it would mean from the beginning. It creates the stirring within you when you see one of our stories. That's so cool. I mean, do you know, do you have a running count? Like, how many stories have you done since yeah, you we, started? Yeah, we just counted them, actually. Okay. Because <laughs> we, we are in the middle of a pitch to a network, yeah. and uh, we had to know how much ex- content we actually had. Yeah. We have thousands of hours, uh, or sorry, thousands of minutes um, of, of finished yeah. and, and polished footage. Um, but we have over 200 stories now that we've oh. done in, in about five years. So, What is like an average length of, of one of your stories, one of your projects? Yeah, it really ranges. It really depends on the person and their story. And that's what we decided from the very beginning, which is a little bit risky from a marketing standpoint yeah. to just say, hey, we're just going to do these however long they need to be. Um, but three to 10 minutes is, is our traditional story. Okay. Um, and then we have some episodic stuff that's closer to 22 minutes and then full length documentaries like the one we're working on right now. Jeez. That's so awesome. I mean, (laughs) what's funny about all this is it's not just jumping into like you jumped into a an industry that making money is nearly impossible. I mean, it's, it's really funny because I, I yeah. keep thinking, I keep relating this to, you know, my story. It's like, let's, not only are you taking all these risks and like being unemployed for a minute, living with the in-laws, taking all these credit cards out, but it's like, you know what? I can fix this. 
I'm going to start a production company. You, like, <laughs> it's like opening a restaurant. Like, I'm going to start a business as an 80% possibility of failing in the right. first five years. It's going to be great. <laughs> and people forget. But I think the part that's kind of stuck out, or stuck out, oh my gosh, has stuck out to me the most with you is the promptings and following them. Even though the logic in those promptings or inspiration was completely opposite of what logic tells us to do. Right. But if you do it, see, and it always helps when the wife gets the inspiration too, right? Because it's one, I think God likes women more than men. And so they can hear him a little easier, right? Don't roll your eyes, Andrew. I'm just kidding. He didn't roll his eyes. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's hard because you need that. Like, I'm sure as a dad and as a husband, like you're you're sitting there, like I'm already putting her through. Without hell. that, you would never ever take the first step. That's the thing. Ever. Like, we're at the in-laws' house. We're we're you know living off of credit cards, but to have her feel the same thing, that had to feel like the greatest weight off your shoulders as oh. far as and oh, just yeah. confirmation that what you were feeling was correct because from her perspective i mean i can't imagine how hard that must have been to say that out loud to you like i agree when she's probably the one paying the price oh, for the sure. most right for sure. or ha the heaviest toll was on her being at your family so what a cool it's just it's further proof that and I think this is what sets entrepreneurs apart from other people. And I think anybody can do this, but it is that risk aversion slash being open to following your, you know, whatever you believe, your gut, your instinct, you know, the prompting. But it's so funny to me that the harder or more illogical those promptings are, the more you get rewarded for having the balls and the faith to to <laughs> yeah. follow those yeah. and and act upon those, yeah. and so it, I think my some of my best stories or best experiences that I've had came from like really dark, difficult moments, and then following through on a couple of things that I felt prompted to do that were so scary, right? Yeah, and so. I have a feeling your story is just going to get better and better, but <laughs> but for that that part of it, I, I think that that's something that so many people struggle with because in their in the back of their mind they have an idea. You know, that's kind of why we started this whole thing was, you know, there's so many stories like this in the entrepreneurial world, right? That are for most people they would they would totally dismiss what they were feeling. Like no way. Like, no way in hell that God would tell me to do that. You ready for a good quote? Oh, of course. I'm always a... So the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. Ooh, damn. It's a that, good one for that. That's an excellent one. That's And you just pulled that up off your phone. <laughs> you right. just had it. Hey, wait, hold on. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was a, I'm actually surprised you had to pull it up off his phone. That was spot Normally, on. it is just like... It's there. I need to start journaling the quotes <laughs> that he drops in every episode, but... But yeah, I mean, it's it's just so cool to see how, just yet again, how somebody is rewarded for 
I mean, faith. Faith is probably the number one thing that we should be talking about. Having the faith to follow whatever that feeling was. And in that moment, everything about it had to feel wrong, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially, I mean, I, I think what you said about my wife is well said. I mean, of, of the podcasts and times I've been interviewed, no one's quite communicated. Um, I've tried to communicate her feelings in that moment, but nobody's really... Um, communicated like you did. I mean, just, just imagine being in her shoes. Oh. We, we just had our second baby, which by the way, came out not breathing. It was a scary experience. Right. And then, hey, I'm going to resign from my good paying job just a few weeks, literally a few weeks later and move back in with the parents, right? right. Um, After and, a couple of quote unquote failed attempts before. Oh yeah. Right. So oh, she yeah. was probably finally feeling a little bit of security. Oh, that was the little, first time in our right? entire marriage. The yep. third time is not the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get a real time. <laughs> That's what was just so amazing. And that was a defining moment in our marriage that we will always go back to. And it's interesting as it got, it got harder after we started Sturry. It, it, make oh, no mistake uh, about it. it. It was not like Oh, we figured it out. In fact, that day that I told her that, we were all excited that we both had the same feeling. And she goes, <laughs> she goes, well, what's the business? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I was just prompted to start another one. And uh, we still laugh at that moment that day because it was like a couple of cheerleaders like, yeah, yeah. let's do it. Start a business. Wait, so what are we going to do? Let's turn down these jobs. And then, yeah, what are we going to do? Wow. So, so that, that's what's amazing about her. I think there's something too your ability to pull a story out of someone, I think your story is a lot more than you're letting on to be. I mean, just the fact, I mean, you said something before, but you know, you just kind of really casually said, yeah, and our second child was born, not breathing. And you know, like, I think that there's more to you, which allows you to connect with people on an emotional level that maybe someone who hasn't gone through some stuff. And so what, like, what part of your story have you not told us that has allowed you maybe to, to connect with somebody? I honestly think it's a, it's just a lot of trials over and over and over again. I've had them since I was a 12 year old kid, um, with a, a really bad back injury. Um, I had, you know, injury after injury that, you know, broken ankles, the first minute of a, a basketball game, you know, um, concussions on a wood floor, you know, you know, in a game and all these things that, and for me, I just, as I got older, I was like, it just became the norm to just have terrible, hard <laughs> things happen to me. And for years, me and my wife would phrase it like, when are we going to catch a break? And then, and then we realized, um, this is the part that, that I feel like is deep, deeply ingrained in me is that we realized that all of those experiences made us into these people, these humans that we always wanted to become. We just saw a completely different path. And because of those challenging experiences that she had growing up as well, um, and that we had immediately when we, when we you know, got married, um, they never stopped and they still have not stopped. They've actually accelerated. And we're now to this point where we're like, yeah, we, we re trust me, we really want to catch a break still. So, so I'm not going to say that. Um, I think you'd be lying to, to say that, you know, I don't want something really good to happen to us. But for me, we, we can look at each other and say, we're, we're proud of who we became through all of these things. And most people at our age have not been through what we've right. been through. And that first kid we had that scary experience with, 
Um, so what happened? Was just that our our doctor hadn't gotten to the hospital in time, um, and there was a, a midwife in Arizona. We were so out of the fish out of water there. Um, new doctor, she never delivered, you know, with him before, and a midwife from Africa that was working at the hospital was the one that saved her baby's life. She came in and said, "Can can you do a a check? Let's just push." And uh, when she pushed, he started coming out and she saw his face, he was purple. And she said, you gotta deliver this baby now. She says, my wife's like, well, where's the doctor? Is he coming? And she said, I gotta deliver this baby. And she delivered that baby that day. Um, and it, it was the most miraculous, it was the longest few minutes of my life watching him not breathe. But one of the most miraculous things to see this midwife that her English was broken, just take charge and to say, I'm going to deliver this baby. And she saved him. Um, cord was wrapped around his neck. She knew exactly what to do. She, she told us that he, she had delivered hundreds of babies before in Africa. And there was this amazing spirit about her where we just trusted her. And the doctor came in like some arrogant doctors <laughs> are with the complex and said, what the hell were you doing? You know, and was so mad at her for doing that. And I wanted to just say, excuse me. She just saved my baby's life. And uh, we, we had a similar experience um, where we almost lost my wife and daughter last June from our, our fourth baby. And it's amazing to see all of these experiences prepared us to be able to handle and get through another, you know, trial. <laughs> Sounds like we really blew it by not inviting his better half in here. Oh, <laughs> she, she does not like the attention, <laughs> but she, she would be right. We'll, she's have awesome. to, we'll have to get her. We'll have yeah. to get her next time. She's a great interviewer, but she always is like, eh, I don't want to like whenever she gets asked to speak or get any attention, she's right. like, no, right. I don't, I don't want to be front and center. And I'm like, you gotta be at some point. You got to let people know what you've been through because sure. you're just, you're an incredible human. And we're, we're doing this together. And if we wouldn't have done it together, Right. Neither of us. Think of the marriages right. she could save. How many hundreds of women are out there just going, my husband is such a loser. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my gosh. He wants and then to they'll do hear what? her and be like, you know what? I need to be more supportive. <laughs> but I mean, but it is true. I mean, it, it it takes two people and God, all these stories are so cool because they're just all instinctual type stories. Well, like the, there's the, so the much midwife. more we can dig into. I think too. Right. Well, and it's it's just cool because it it's also it's kind of like what you've talked about with your job interviews. Like you just, it's like when I when I interview somebody, you just kind of know when somebody's a quality person, and it's like those are so hard to find. Who gives a damn if they know what they're doing? Like I can teach them that part, but I can't teach the person the other part, you know, about how to just be a, a good human being, right. Or how to be a self-starter, a worker, you know, good communicator. Those are all things that come from experience and are just kind of inborn. But like, I just can't even imagine being in the hospital and just some lady from Africa that speaks a little English walks in. And it, isn't it amazing that something in our head or our heart can say like, this is okay. Like, yeah, she had a confidence about her. She had anyway, it, it, such a quick decision on the fly. But again, you've already taken risks. You've already seen the benefits of, of doing that. And just, that's another situation where I think a lot of people will be like, don't you touch her. 
Don't it, wait for the doctor. They yeah, would get yeah. in their own way. Right. It was so weird that we. You're right. Now that I, you're you're bringing up parts of our story that I just haven't really, I haven't really fully delved into. I I think it's amazing that both of us trusted her in that. Right. Moment. Like, well, I think you you would. I need to talk to my wife about that now. Yeah, that's. I think you were you had been taught also to follow the inspiration, right? And so, you know, it's like you had done it before and trusted the outcome. So when it happened, you were in the position and in the right frame of mind to be able to allow it in, right? Right. Yeah, I agree with that. It's like and, the three boat analogy thing I always say, talk about. Just like, God, you were supposed to save me. I was drowning. He's like, I sent you three boats, stupid. Yeah. You know, if you heard that, just where you're yeah. like, no, yeah. God's going to save me. I'm good. Yeah. But I mean- that it's hard. That's a hard thing to do to have the faith or, I mean, faith is really the only way to do it or to say it, but to just give into that prompting or that gut feeling or whatever it is and just, you know, hope or yeah. trust that everything's going to work out. And But once you've done that, you know, I, I kind of feel like that type of communication or instinct, you know, I keep calling it different things because everybody has different beliefs. But I think for us in this room, it's a spiritual prompting, right? It's just like any other skill, you know. Oh, yeah, you have to learn. You have to learn it and you have to learn how, you know, it takes time to develop that like, is this just a thought in my head or is this something else? And then, you know, acting on it is a whole nother thing that's hard. And so... It's just like every little one of these experiences just seems like these moments pop up where it's like that puzzle piece, all those puzzle pieces before were there for that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and then yeah, what's I think, next? I that. That's a great way to put it. I, I just think that we become conditioned to think that we know best. Oh, for sure. And, and we just- Wives, we right? take That's we, what you're talking about? Just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I will not agree with that, that camera. <laughs> After the story, they're like, well, yeah, obviously we know best. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I just think we be, we're conditioned to say, hey, you know, I, that, I just think of the, the phrase kicking against the pricks, you know, think of a rose bush and it's this beautiful thing, but we, for some reason, we don't want to get near it because it's, it's a little dangerous, but it could, <laughs> it could be beautiful. It right. could be something that, you know, um, you want to go through and then, I just feel like when you follow that inspiration, you run head on through that rose bush and you become bloody. <laughs> you, be, I mean, it's it's a for us, it's been a bloodbath. I mean, right. it's been hard. Um, but man, once we get through that first rose bush, we're like, oh my gosh, we can look back and say, man, this is beautiful. And then God comes back and says, here's another one you got to go right. through. But every time we're just so proud that we we made it through those those things. And I think we just try to take that easy path and say, hey, look, there's a wide open field over here. There's no danger. It's safe. I want that house. I want that car. Right. I want my kids to be perfectly healthy, to go to this school. We have it in our minds. This is the way it should be. But if we look at our parents and other people that have gone before us, that have taken the hard road, we want to be them. But for some reason, we think that we want to be something else other than that struggle. And I said that all the time. My parents didn't have a lot of money growing up and uh, they didn't have a lot of money when we were young. And I told myself, I will never be in that situation. Right. I mean, like we've been poor for <laughs> ever since we were married, like 15 years, and still my kids are going without, you know, but right. they, they have so much love and 
Uh, my daughter, in fact, um, she's she's a mini me in so many ways. Um, she she wants to start a business, which is really cool. Um, and she she says that's really cool. The, the other day, she said this. That's really cool, Dad. You just get to be around really cool people, don't you? Right. And it's not something we've really talked about. She's just watched, and I think, man, I I I would live, you know, in a tent. For sure. If my daughter would say things like that right. um, and learn, have those experiences. Well, that's a good perspective because they don't give a crap about the money. They don't give a crap about money. And the, they like, sure whine they a lot st- about well, stuff. Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's true. But, but in the end, they don't. Yeah. Well, but kids, like, you can throw them a stick and they'll figure a out a way to have box. fun with it. Last yeah. Christmas, that's what it was for us. Our kids right. were like, let's build forts out of cardboard boxes. I'm like, there's a lot to learn with that, Same right? We don't need as much as we assume that we'll for need, sure. right? And it's. Yep. And like you said, there's, I mean, money's one thing, but experiences are another. And you're young and, you know, from the sounds of it, all the success in the world is probably waiting for you. It's, you just have to keep doing what you're doing, you know? It sounds, he's like the living example of the go-giver. Yeah. So my favorite book of all time and the first principle. So it talks about like in business, like does it make money is not the, a bad question. In fact, it's a good question. It's just the wrong first question when you're talking about business. I love that. You know, and so like what you're doing is you're focused on providing value, creating the story, and you can't forget about that side of it, but that can't ever be what like leads a discussion, like leads the decision, right? Yeah. Um, sorry, total side note. No, but it's true. That. Like if you, if you start making... You know, I'm sure so many musicians deal with this all the time. Like, here's a song that would probably get on the radio, but it's not me. You just got to stick with your, you know, what you're passionate about. Because the second you start deviating from listening to your gut and listening to your heart and listening to those promptings, and you try to make something that you think will commercially benefit you, you you just, you kind of lose it, right? Yeah. So, there's, there's just, there's something about just staying true to yourself that 100% is continually just this investment into your soul that right. that comes back a hundredfold and it's not usually the way that you think it will and it's not usually with my experience hasn't been with money yet right you know but we've had so many experiences me and my wife over and over again there's times where I said honey I am just done this is too hard right. doing what God you know wants us to do and then it just keeps coming back. Um, she said to me one time, you know, you're not going to quit, right? I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, I want to quit. Like, just let me have this moment. And she just kind of dismissed it. I was like, you know, you're not going to quit, right? And walked out of the room. <laughs> and I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to get back up. Oh, yeah, tomorrow. you're right. <laughs> you're right. And, and uh, I had about 10 minutes to feel sorry for myself and right. figured out, you know what? If I went against this, I would be going against everything God has inspired me to do for years now right. and exactly what I was meant to do here on this earth. And I've had too many experiences um, with people that I've told stories on that I knew that we were supposed to meet in this life to do exactly what we were doing and sharing their story with the world. And if I go against that, I know that I'm doing, I, I'm going against what I was meant to do here. Oh, 100%. I do not want that feeling. (laughs) And based on the people that I've seen that you do stories on, if you hadn't suffered before meeting them, you couldn't tell their story. No, no, that's what I was saying. Like, he's got this ability to emotionally connect with these people because of what you've gone through that no one else would be able to do that. Well, and I wonder, and I wonder how much of it is 
that, you know, creating that puzzle or putting those pieces together so that when you meet these people, which like Kim White, for example, um, but I also wonder how much of it is the other side trying to squash the telling of these stories for the benefit of, you know, mankind. Right. And so that makes it really hard when you, when it's like, when the good side is telling you to do something really hard, like that doesn't make any sense, but the bad side's kind of telling you the same thing. So it's like, wait, who's, so the left shoulder guy or the right shoulder guy (laughs) is telling me to do this. Cause that's been a real thing. That oh, has been a, a huge, we, we've a had so many times where darkness has crept in. Just, I, I can't explain it any other way. Yeah. Where That's we're, we're on to something. Kim's story is a, a perfect example of that. Right. Um, and uh, I can share that story, but, but really it, we were about to do something really good and really big together. And I'm just telling you, she had this experience. I had this experience. There were so many reasons to not move forward with it. So many reasons to not push forward. And I just think that if we would just realize that once we feel that darkness, we know we're onto something. 100%. Then, then just take those first few steps. That means you're that close, right? You're you're close. Something right. Yeah. It's darkest right before the dawn, right? Yep. I mean, it's, that is 100% true. I mean, once you've committed to something that will help people, whether it's one person or a million people, once you start getting that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I've really been struggling with this lately. Inspiration? Yeah, just once you start, once you kick that project off, oh. you know, whatever that is, once you're once you're in it and you start feeling that kickback from the other side or things start happening, you know that you're on the right track. Yeah, that's right? A- actually a good description of how we pick our projects. <laughs> <laughs> because right, we, right. we feel... Oh, should we do that? And even my team, it's it's interesting. I don't fault my team at all for this. But before we did Kim's story, they all said, so, so why are we doing this? Because they hadn't had those really cool experiences I had. Right. Um, and the cool, the, the, ex, the experience of having that regular inspiration say, you got to tell her story, you got to tell her story. And then when I met her at, a, at an event um, where we, we do all the video content for Imagine Dragons and their nonprofit, right. and Kim was there and I was there and I, I saw her for the first time in person. And that's when I was like, this is it. Right. Like, I need to tell your story. I've felt this for a few years now. Had you, did you know who she was? Uh, I knew who she was vaguely because I had I had seen one of her posts or something that had stuck with me a few years. I mean, before she had a very big influence or anything, I just had seen something that was like, man, I got to tell that girl's that woman's story. Yeah, and I kind of dismissed it because I didn't know her. I had no connection with her. I didn't know anybody that knew her. And when I saw her and Tragen, her husband, at that event, I was I just walked right up to her and just said. Hey, Kim, you don't know who I am. My name's Dan from Sturry. You just saw one of our films here. We do all these films for their their gala each year. And uh, I basically, I think I'm supposed to tell your story. You know, I've, and she, that's immediately when she said, I've been looking for somebody. I was going to say, telling and Kim then, that boom. she would just be like, yeah, you're right. You are. And it I was mean, just she, off she, to the races. Yeah. Because she would also tell you to get the hell out of her face. If <laughs> it was, tr- yeah. right? And that, so how long ago was that? So when was, so first of all, how did the Imagine Dragon things happen? Like, how did you start working with them? You know, it's it's funny that that came from, uh, I served a church mission 
Um, I, once again, was one of these challenges in my life. I ended up coming home early to have sur- surgery on both of my feet um, oh. and just felt like my experience got cut short. Right. Um, and so I struggled with that. Like I struggled with um, finding meaning and purpose in that experience. You on your mission? Uh, New York, upstate okay. New York, Utica. Okay. Made famous by the office, yeah. obviously. <laughs> no one knows where it is. or what. Like, And then when they have this Utica branch on the office, everybody's right. like, oh, I know Utica. <laughs> Michael Scott, you know, <laughs> the office. Um, but anyway, so so it's, it's interesting because um, when I, I had had that feeling for quite a few years, like I had a great experience and I um, serving uh, the people there, but... Um, it didn't come to fruition until later in life. And that was one of those opportunities where my MTC companion that went to the same mission, um, he, he, um, found out about what I was doing with Sturry and he said, I need to introduce you to my brother. And I said, who's your brother? And he's like, Dan Reynolds. Do you know who he is? <laughs> I was like, no, I, I didn't, I didn't know much about Imagine Dragons. I didn't know who right. Dan Reynolds was. And he's like, you might've heard of Imagine Dragons. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> That's your brother? He's like, yeah, I played in his band before my mission. I was like, why did you not tell me? And maybe he told me all this. I just forgot. But he said, they have this nonprofit for pediatric cancer. Right. Um, and I need to connect you guys. They need you. And uh, within a few months, we flew out to Interscope Records and filmed our first thing with them wow. and started to do story after story. And as soon as they saw one story, they were like, uh, in, in fact, the last gal that we did, Shaq is a part of... Um, He's an ambassador for TRF, Tyler Robinson Foundation. And he said, I don't know who did that story for you, but you have to keep them, you know? Wow. And, and it's been a cool experience because we've been able to um, travel all over the country and tell these kids stories. And it has nothing to do with the the rock and roll nature of, you know, right. <laughs> that that side of the business. It has everything to do with the the bleeding hearts of the band and what they want to do to impact wow. people. So that, that's how it all started. And that, so that's how, so Kim dated. Yeah. Dan yeah. And the then day. I found out later, right. <laughs> Kim and I had all these connections right. that I was like, this is so funky that we that never wild? figured this out. So how many years ago did you meet Kim then? Uh, so just a year ago. Oh a really? Ago. Yeah. Yeah. We met at that, um, or sorry, let's see. Is that a year? Yeah. Year almost a year and a half ago, I guess. Um, we met at that Imagine Dragons gala, um, and that was in September. That was on a Friday, and on that Monday is when she recorded that video saying that her cancer had, you know, come back with a vengeance. In the car. And I had no idea that that Tuesday. It's funny. I didn't even. I hadn't even seen her social media posts. We had we had lunch on that Tuesday, just a few days after we got back from Vegas, and uh, that's when. I realized how confident she was in me and my company to tell her story right. And she said, this has got to be big. This has got to be big. And she had already made the decision for me to direct it. And uh, and so we just walked away from lunch like, yeah, this is what we're supposed to do. And we were just brother and sister from, from then on. Um, we had some amazing experiences that told us this was exactly why you were here on this earth is to communicate this message. And... Uh, I was in her home for hours on end sometimes to wait to, to where she was ready to film or in the hospital. And over and over those experiences came and we just became family. Um, and it, it, there's just no other way to put it than, than God said, 
this is the time you're supposed to meet. Right. You're supposed to get going with this project. This is what you're supposed to do. And it just, it just unfolded in such a beautiful way. So you had mentioned that there are some things that were like challenges right up front on both sides. Yeah. Like, what was that? I mean, because obviously it's so hard. We, we've talked a lot about it when it's, everything lines up, but that doesn't make it easy, right? That almost yeah. makes it harder. It was way harder, <laughs> yeah. And so like, like, what were some of those things that like maybe made you question if you should move forward with it? Well, I mean, f- the first biggest thing was when I had lunch with her, she was like, this needs to be big. And I wasn't sure how big she was thinking. And uh, this is our first feature length documentary as Sturry. This uh, is your guys' first full? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so- So she's um, trusting a quote unquote brand new company in this area yeah, yeah. to tell her story. And I, I thought she just wanted a longer form of what we you know normally do with a three to the 10 minute. And then we just decided then and there, after I dug into her story and asked her a bunch of questions, I'm like, you're right. And something felt right about doing taking on this risk. The problem with that is there was no funding. Um, and she said, well, how much does it cost? And we were like, I mean, if we were to bare bones th- this documentary and try to find a way to do it on the, the smallest budget, you got to have a hundred thousand dollars. Like, th- like that will pay for crew and, and equipment and, and like there's that, that's just pretty bare bones, yeah. um, to do it justice the way they were talking about. And she just immediately was like, all right, you know, <laughs> let's, let's do this. And I was like, you know, I'm funding this <laughs> to begin <laughs> right. with until we raise the money, right? And uh, and I, I joke about that because we had conversations about that later. And I I was not in a position with Sturry to take another big risk. Um, we had taken risks earlier that year and had a pretty full staff um, that I was worried about paying for their their salaries every every month. And that's why my team came back and just said, Oh, this is a this is a huge unnecessary risk. Um, where's the funding going to come from? And like I said, I can't blame my team, but I I was just I was like Kim, we got to raise this money. And so we made a bunch of phone calls and we worked so hard to raise that money. And for months, for whatever reason, people that you know she was very close to and people that had offered to help, um, even people that offered to do whatever she asked, they said whatever you need will be there just didn't show up in those situations. And that was so frustrating for Kim. Um, and it was so frustrating for me because I, I, you know, a reality standpoint is I was a business owner dumping tens of thousands of dollars into a project that who knows, like you said, the film industry, right. there's rarely a return on your investment. Right. Um, and documentaries are even, I mean, you know, for sure. I don't even know what the percentage is. Right. But we just, we decided to go and that was what was was so amazing is that resistance we knew was temporary and i kind of i lost sight of that and i had a really frank conversation with kim a few months um before she passed where i just said i just can't i personally can't fund this anymore um and she <laughs> she said this to me and i was so mad at her but like that was our relation i just not mad at her, but like mad at the situation. And because we had had a few people we thought for sure would help us. And she was like, it'll come. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking the risk here. It's not coming, you know? And, uh, I don't, and I just, I just frankly said to her, I said, I don't know how much longer I can do this. And she said, it'll come. And I, I still remember those words and still remember that conversation in her living room. 
And I just had no idea that it would come in the way that it came and that it would come so together so beautifully. And that was just Kim's life, you know, after putting together her story, it's like, I should have just trusted her because she had figured that out that the more you push, um, the more resistance you get, um, pushing for the things that you think you need right this moment, instead of just saying, I got faith, it's going to come. And so I I, think that showed a lot of trust in you too. Like that showed that, cause I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure like telling her story was very important to her. And so it's like, she could have just as easily replaced you. Right. Or, or maybe gone another direction to find somebody, you know, I'm sure that inside her heart somewhere, she knew that things were, you know, time was running out a little bit, but I mean, I think that shows a lot of faith and trust in you as the person that was supposed to do it, which I think is a really cool part of it too. Yeah. And same thing with my wife. Like she, same thing. Right. She didn't, she didn't know Kim. She didn't have the relationship I had with Kim. Um, but she, she just knew there was something special about this project and my team eventually, after we, it was, I think it was after we filmed one time in the hospital before one of her big surgeries that you'll see in the film, where we were in a place that I just you don't you don't cap, capture on camera ever, right. <laughs> um, where she's going in for what felt like the last surgery, um, and she wasn't going to make it. Was this and the second to last? Second one? to last yeah. one. Everyone. Thought. That was a long 24 hours, man. Yeah, that was it. That was just, it was one of those experiences that my team walked away and they were like, I get it. I know why we're doing this. Um, and and that's all my team needed. I think that's all I needed too. That experience kind of just said, okay, let's let's keep going. There's something much bigger. Right. And, and we talked often about that. There's something much bigger at play than what's going on right now. How do you balance the like, I want to get this on film because this really communicates her, the message, the struggle, and this is probably too personal to share. Like, like yeah, that's like hard. Where, like, where is that balance? Because you're being hired to tell her story, and in this situation, it's a very personal, hard story, right? Like, 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 how do you do that? Yeah, that that was tough. That that surgery that I referenced was the first time I realized Kim really wanted us to capture everything. Um, and I went to the hospital. So I, I texted her and I said, so, so let me back up. We had interviewed her for her big interview for the documentary two days prior to a day and a half prior to that. During her interview, you'll see in the documentary, she was struggling. I mean, she was having a hard time breathing. Her energy level was down. She was like taking a, and then she would talk. Some of those stories during that were just like the Instagram stuff. It was, it was, and, and my producer said to her, um, like, you need to get that checked out. During our interview, she texted her surgeon, Dr. Z, and said, I'm having a really hard time. I'm, I'm struggling. It's getting worse. We continued with the interview, and eventually we had to stop. And within that, I think it was that next night, um, she went to the emergency room, and I knew something was wrong. So the, the following morning, I, t- or I, I said, do you need a ride? And her neighbor, thankfully, her friend took her. And, and uh, so the next morning, I was like getting ready. I'm like, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go be at the hospital. That's kind of the, the regimen we, we did. Is I would go first and then call my crew. And I went in there, and that was the first, or sorry, on my way, I said, I'm coming to the hospital. You can tell me not to come, 
but I, I just want to be there. And, um, and she's like, she, I can't remember. It was like some funny snooty remark. Like, <laughs> of course, come like, she was like, what are you thinking? I asked right. you to be here to do my story. Like 100%. don't bail on me now. And I'm like, okay, that's when I realized there's no boundaries. Um, we need to, because she trusted Sturry and who we are, we're not going to cross those. And that's a really heavy weight. It, it was, oh my God. Oh, when I got into that room, I, di- I had no idea what I was walking into. Um, her mom was just, uh, her mom, Jane is now just, she's family to me. Uh, that day was the first time I had met her mom and she was basically like, I don't know who you are. And I gave her this hug and just held on to her and we cried together. And she was just, that was the immediate connection we had. And that's all we needed. And I called my crew and said, come now. And we captured, like I said, just something so beautiful in that moment. And, we didn't worry. My producer was kind of like, she was doing audio that day and she was like, uh, you know, like, do oh, I get God, the audio in there hard. or not? And uh, we heard the surgeon's conversation. We heard Dr. Z come in and talk to her. I mean, it was one of those where you're like, wow, we're really fortunate to be here and others are going to get to see this. And this is exactly what Kim wanted. People are going to get to see this side of her battle that will unveil this beautiful recipe on how to get through anything, not just cancer, but anything. Right. I mean, how many hours are you spending with her? Did you spend with her? Sorry. Uh, A lot. Um, So there's a funny story. And um, I, I I was over there so much because, because we had to just, like I was saying, I would just sit and we would talk and we would plan things and we would write scripts and, Sometimes I would just wait until Hensley calmed down or wait till, you know, Tragen got home so we could finish stuff. And, um, twice I was over there and the, her ward, her neighbors brought her meals every night, every single night they coordinated it. And she was on a specific diet and it was pretty incredible to watch the service that was offered to her, but nobody had met Kim in that house because they had just moved in and she'd been, she'd been sick the whole time and never been to church or anything. And so her community, her neighborhood didn't really know her. And they're like, hey, are you her husband? <laughs> Several <laughs> times, because we were always there. Yeah. And they just, they didn't know who we were. She didn't, you know, people didn't know that we were documenting her story. And me and Tragen have had a good laugh about that, but um, just sat there for hours and got to actually see the documentary will just, just be a, a small portion of what I got to witness. Um, but that, what a blessing that was. What a blessing that was. Yeah, I mean, to be you in think about that, the time you spent, I mean, I can't even imagine how many hours of just raw footage you have. Right. And then having to produce that into, I mean, how long is the documentary? It's about 90 minutes. You know, so really long, but yet compared to the footage yeah, and exposure, so like how do you, oh, I can't even imagine. How do you cut? Uh, yeah. We call it, how do we kill babies? Yeah. That's what we call it. <laughs> you know, like how do we cut that beautiful. And you just have to, you have to make those creative decisions and that's, that's tough. Um, the good news is, is I feel like we have so much other good stuff that won't make it in the documentary that if we wanted to expand something with Kim's story or do different specials or different, you know, cover different topics, we have what we need because we were, we were present, you know, in those moments. I mean, I'll never forget because she was one of our very first interviews. Oh, really? Pod. I, think I she, didn't know that. So she was like oh, episode yeah. number eight. Okay. For Nitty Gritty. When, when, when was this? I can't remember the date that you guys sent us it'd on be that about, podcast. It'd so be about a year ago. We started in March, so it would have been in April. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, so she was feeling pretty good at that time. Yeah. So it, yeah, she was. was she was just about her. to yeah. go on that trip. Yep. Where did she go? Was it Hawaii? She, uh, she went hiking somewhere. Yeah. Oh, no, she went was, to uh, the Enchantments. Is that the trip? No. No, that was, that later. was later. That was a few months later. That was with that. all the crazy girls. <laughs> oh, yeah. Katie and Sadie. That that trip, right? Yeah, that was the one that was. I saw some fall. interesting pictures from that trip. <laughs> But, oh or, I mean, gosh. late summer. But, but no, what I was going to say is I'll never forget when she was, as she was telling her story, like, like you could see like the movie in her eyes. Hmm. Like as she was telling these stories, like I could look at her and it was like, I was watching what was how I could see the different people and I could see her, like you could just see and you could feel like it was, it's something I'll never, ever forget. Like, hearing her talk about some of the things and Dr. Z in the hospital and these stories, it was just, wasn't she kind of waiting on some results for, I want to say it was right when she was like in the middle of finding out that some things had come back. So that, that time frame, I'm trying to think, um, I should know every month. of her Cause I think that's why now, it, it, it was like, we're going to start doing some traveling now cause I'm good now, but things might be, yeah, they, they basically to, cleared her and said, you can do all these things that right. you you want to do. There's no reason to hold back. Right. Um, and that's what she did. I mean, they, they I mean, she yeah, did was, that a few times. It was but. a few months before that last bike race that she did mm-hmm. down here. Yeah. Okay. July 1st, yeah. She yeah. was here July 1st? Well, that was later than I thought. So yeah. she she did a So a we started in May that then. Summer, I, oh, oh, we yeah. started in May. It, they were all over the place. Like I, I went to that bike race too. She was only able to do like half of it, I think. But oh. yeah, she lived it up that that summer. Um, you'll you'll see in the documentary. I mean, she she packed a backpack up right. this grueling hike, and people offered in the parking lot before they even started. Let me carry your bag. Let me. She, of course, Kim was like, "Oh yeah, no the heck with you. Don't, t- <laughs> don't touch my bag. I got this." For sure. Yeah. Yeah, she was she was wired very different. I mean, just yeah. she was such a beast, like just so strong, so much grit. Like it was funny. I remember visiting her after the first surgery and just going on that lap with her. You know, you know how she does. Yeah, she'll get oh, yeah. up and walk a few laps around the hospital floor, and I I couldn't believe it. Just looking at her, like I remember walking in and just going, "Oh my gosh!" And then she's like, "I got to go on a walk." I'm like, "Go on a walk? Is that what? doable?" <laughs> And then I think she even made some like, you know, you could use one too, like a, a little, you know, Kim jab at me, you know, but it, she's, oh, man, she was amazing. So, I mean, what was that like as, I mean, as things got worse, you know, like, like how, I, I just can't even imagine what that weight of capturing that would be knowing kind of where we're heading, kind of starting to see it's probably not going to get better. You know, like, what was that like? Well, I won't spoil the documentary. Yeah. But I will share, I mean, that, so, so I, I guess you're going to see what, what, you're going to forget that we were there. Let me just put it that way. Right. And you're going to get to see some of those moments. Um, those are sacred moments, really yeah. sacred moments. And so, yeah, um, that's, a, that's a great way to put that. That, that's why I said that that was such a blessing to be there for those because I, I'm going to navigate my life differently because I got to be a part of those experiences. And I got to be there, you know, before and after those surgeries. I got to be there late at night, you know, um, 
watching her just be an absolute pain when everybody's left, you know, um, watching friends show up, um, doing amazing things for her, watching her parents struggle, them living in a trailer in the parking lot, you know, right. um, watching her max out her days at the hospital and people tell her that she needs to, you know, you're, you've been here for 21 days. Um, we need to get you home. Um, and watching her just fight. And those, those last few times I went to the hospital, um, I actually got a, um, found out, I mean, I, during this experience, she was aware of some health things that I had going on. She actually drove me to the ER once when we were filming, but Hold on, um, what? she drove, she you drove to the me ER? to the ER. <laughs> she showed up for a filming session and I said, I got to go to the ER. She's like, you're not driving. And I got in her car and we ditched this. What shoot. was wrong with you? Um, oh, that's a long story. I was going to say, I've, I've been <laughs> reading through some stuff. But, but um, so she, she um, was very aware of that. And I couldn't go to the hospital for a couple of weeks because I, uh, she, you know, I didn't, her health was compromised at that time. I didn't know what was going on with me and I wanted to play it safe and, and didn't, didn't show up at the hospital for a few weeks. And it just broke my heart, you know, not to be there for her at that point. And I showed up after two weeks, um, and I came in the room and I was just really good at surveying, you know, I got used to just surveying the, the mood and everything and, and, uh, knew how to ask the right questions to make sure that we, you know, got what we needed for each shot. And, uh, she was like, pull up a chair. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm good. I can stand. She's like, no, we're talking. And <laughs> she's like, pull up that chair. <laughs> she's very, pull up that chair right there <laughs> and bring it right here. She was like, I don't think you're catching my drift. <laughs> And so I pulled it up and she's like, how are you? Oh. Um, and I'll, n I'll never forget looking. I have a picture of that day. She was so frail, so frail. And she was focused on me. And I had always been focused on her throughout this experience. And she showed the love that she had for me in a moment that she looked so sick and i will never forget staring into those eyes you know across from her giving her an update and she said to me i'm gonna get you figured out i'm gonna figure this out we're gonna figure this out and i walked away from the hospital that day just man my heart was just broken for her because she had lost so much weight and she wasn't able to eat and um i was like what the heck I mean, she's focused on me in a, in a moment where she's not doing well. And um, that that experience was my last experience I had with her um, where I saw her happy and cheerful and hopeful um, because after that, she, she had a really, really rough time. Um, that's an understatement. It was just brutal for her mentally, physically, emotionally, everything. And that's what our last meaningful conversation was together was, was not even about her. And that just showed you what kind of person she had become, you know, over these years that she just, she wanted to change the world one person at a time. And she, she did that for me. Wow. She's still doing it. Oh, that's the crazy yeah. thing. And I mean, once you're able to, I mean, imagine the effects she'll have all over again when, this comes out like so, it's, yeah, w what is the progress of the documentary 
Yeah, we're we're uh, so we finished most of the post production. Um, we we might have a couple more things to shoot, um, but uh, as of right now, we're really happy. We've done a couple focus group sessions, gotten feedback, made those changes, and now how many boxes of Kleenex did you oh, guys use in those? A lot focus group. A lot. It, oh, it's it's just I can't even imagine. We, we and to put it to put it simply, one of the people that we showed sent me a text afterward and she's somebody that's helping us grow Sturry and is introducing us to some great influential people. And she said, I never cry. (laughs) She's a, she's a business person. She's just like, let me help your business. Let me do that. Like, and she actually played high school soccer with, uh, Kim went to school with her and, uh, she's like, I just want to help. Um, and then when she watched it, she was like, I just sobbed, you know? And that's, that text message we got from her, um, not that the film is just going to be sad, um, but it hit her in a way that she was not expecting and that changed her. And uh, we've seen that over and over and over again with every focus group person that does or doesn't know her. And so right now to answer your question, the process for us is to get it into the hands of these influential people so that we can, it can be seen by millions of people. And I, I personally am not going to stop until we find a way to do that because this is not, you know, this gift that we're going to keep to ourselves. Um, it has to be seen, has to be seen. So is the hope that sometime in 2021 we can release it? Is that kind of the yeah. hope? Yeah, we're hoping um, we've kind of put this target date and I'll just put it out to the, the universe and God. Right. Like we we want to, she, she passed away on Valentine's Day last oh, year. Man. We would love to to release it on that date. Um, there's lots of significance there, and uh, the time's ticking. We got to make sure that we get a distribution uh, partner, you know, before that. Um, but we're just praying that 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 can happen in that way. And if not, I think it, it still will be spring 2021. Wow, that's gonna be a hard one. Yeah, just to it's like you're gonna want to sit and watch that in the right, you know, no distractions. Yeah, but. I mean, what, what an honor, you know, Yeah, yeah. that, I mean, and how awesome it is that it would take a certain type of person to do, to, to do that, to have that job of documenting all of that. Well, you know what it, I mean? Kim like, was really good at reading people. Oh yeah. And so the fact that she chose you to do that i mean well and it goes a long way and you kind of saw the last couple years that you saw like when she finally started getting comfortable like the purpose of this is for me to share right like even in her like some of those videos where she's just like struggling for every breath between sentences you know and it's like what are you doing but she she was very, very she, clear about her purpose. Well, she was always worried about others. The last conversation, uh, she was sure. focused on him. Well, I so have... She's recording, though. She's thinking about who is this going to help. Right. Oh, yeah. I yeah. have a good friend named Trisha. I don't know. Did you ever meet Trisha Jacobson? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I've been here with him, obviously. Right. We've been friends for a long, long time. And, cool. Um, yeah, I just remember Kim popping up on Trisha's Instagram as, you know, reaching out to help her. And it's like, Kim never missed an opportunity to... Like physically visit somebody going through something hard, you know, special, especially with medical issues. And so, you know, she, I think she left more, 
She left a bigger mark than most people would in five lifetimes in her short, you know, 30 something years. And it's amazing how many people are still connecting and becoming friends because of her. And I think that it's going to just happen. It's going to keep happening for a long, long time. And I can, with the documentary, it's just going to be a hundredfold. And it's, man, it's hard to put any of it into words. I mean, from both sides. It, I'm sure you don't, I'm sure it's hard hearing all this praise and stuff for you. But I mean, that I know Kim well enough to know that she doesn't mess around. Like, if you're the right person, then you've got to be special because she doesn't. It's funny. I was trying to think of a saying yesterday about Bobby, mm-hmm. and I finally remember it. She doesn't suffer fools. <laughs> I like that. That like was the, and Kim was very much the same way. Like Kim will tell you how she feels and she has earned it a hundred times over. But if you weren't the right person, even though she has the biggest heart in the world, she also has a, a massive set of balls, right? Like if you weren't the right person at any point, she would have just said, there's the door. Working. Peace out. Well, and she's to your point, always willing. Like, so my last memory with Kim was, she came down to the Johnson file show at the Sierra theater. Right. And I saw her and then I was actually, she just walked out the door. She was leaving. So I said, hi to her before the show started. I remember that night. And then she was walking out to go back to her truck. And like I was behind her, I was going to walk over and say bye to her. And you could just tell she was just struggling and she slipped and fell. And it's like, Oh, she was in the ER after that. Mm -hmm. It's just like, Oh, right. But like the fact that she felt so crappy and she was, came all the way down from support, where she lived yeah. to, to some support, support the Johnson. Johnson. Like that she'd been to so many of their shows. Right. Like you don't have to go, you know, but just kind of define yeah, she, who she I don't she think was. she ever missed a show actually when I was talking to them. Um, I'd become friends with them as a result of Kim, you know, yeah, right. and she, Nicole was like, she just doesn't miss a show. And, you know, hearing that story, it's like, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, well, I like to think just, that yeah. they gave her some medicine too, you know, yeah. the oh, Johnsons yeah. were, probably a heaven sent for her for sure yeah, just that, that was a part of kim right? Is right she she had all these that's one thing that i've taken away in my own health journey is she added all these integral pieces to her wellness right um and they were they were it's a huge spectrum that most most people don't dabble in don't experience right. and she figured out how to do obviously she figured out how to do it because she lived five years longer than they said she would. Oh my yeah. gosh. And if I, I, For, are you kidding me? Five years? That's, yeah. that's unheard of. Well, I mean, how many 30 disease. and 60 days was she given? Yep. Oh, right. Gosh. Like you have 30 more days, you have over 60 more again. days. So it's crazy. Well, if there's anything we can do to help right. with the documentary, like obviously we are, I'm really excited to see it. It's going to be hard. I, I am too. It, it's going to be such a neat thing. But I think it will be really cool. What a cool like tribute to her. Well, and what a cool legacy that you get to be a part of. And the, this it's funny. It wouldn't surprise me if that that boost that you're looking for, you know, in your family's life too, comes from the sacrifice and work that you put in to Kim. And I don't know, just a few minutes ago when we were talking about that, I just felt like you got nothing to worry about. Like you've got nothing to worry about. Like your things are going to be awesome. Like 
you're obviously a very special person and you've got to be able to keep doing this stuff. And so I would love to have you back on. Um, Maybe that's what I'm saying. Like come back. (laughs) Well, because I want to get to know you more. I I think that would be an awesome second episode. You know, bring your wife in because I know that there that you have had struggles too with your health, and I've I've just skimmed the surface, you know, online. But I think time wise, we're probably want to. We've lost everybody. I think there's one. I I don't think we've lost anybody. I just I don't want to. (laughs) I don't want to cheapen the experience. That's exactly it. I don't want to just quickly go through something like that where we have that story and your awesome spouse like it would be so cool to get you back especially you know maybe a few weeks before the re- like once you figure out the release cool. you know i feel like so our audience is kim's audience i mean we're awesome. it's we have like an 80 plus percent female demographic <laughs> because of kim. well kim and we've had so many powerful female yeah. you a know. lot of her friends that have come on through right. her yeah yeah but, but we talked a lot about having like a tribute okay. episode with Kim and bringing some of her friends on, you know, so like that year well, mark. bring you guys back and do something around the launch of the documentary. Yeah, like great. we'd love to do something awesome. like that. And how, so how can our listeners help right now as far, like where can they yeah. go to donate or help or yeah, spread I mean, the word for us? We're, we're in the process of the music licensing, um, which Kim, Loved every really popular number one hit. <laughs> Super cheap and really easy. Really cheap, yeah. It's like, it's not, you don't go to some stock website and pay $20 for that. But isn't that where Dan can come in? So, right? yeah. So we, we're trying to leverage our network and Kim's network to to um, do a couple things. And one is just to get them to say yes, you know, right. and get us the license. That's, you know, it's not as easy as just writing a check. Um, it would be if we had unlimited budget that would right? just have but to be a huge check it would just right? have to be a big check so, so i know what songs you're talking about so we have we have to figure out a way to to get them to say yes um and so that's something we've been contemplating our our entertainment lawyers reached out to those licenses and we're waiting to hear back so i mean any prayers good vibes whatever you believe in just send it that way so that because any those, relatives you have in the yeah industry. and and that was the thing i was going to say is if anybody has connection to the to some of the artists that she love avril lavigne kesha right. um Macklemore, you know, those, those are not small potatoes. Um, they, they are, uh, great artists. Um, I feel like Macklemore would say yes. We just have to get to him. We just have to get, I feel to like him, he right? does a lot of charitable philanthropic type. And things. the hardest part is getting to his, for sure. Who owns the, the yeah, through the layers of the label. Keepers. Yeah. And so we, there's kind of, I mean, there. Sure, they they could probably say yes. The record company, yeah, the the label. They're so they're so separate in that industry. But I I just believe that whatever's supposed to happen is going to happen, and um, it would it would throw a wrench in what we've created to not have those. And so we would love to to do that tribute for Kim to have those in there. Um, and so I, I, I think we'll be able to, to get those licenses and maybe do some additional fundraising depending on where the need is, where those quotes come back. But the biggest thing would be, we gotta, we gotta find a distribution partner, find somebody, you know, that has a a great connection with Netflix or Hulu or wherever, you know, is the right fit for Kim's film. Um, so that that's my biggest concern. Right. Let's make sure people see this. Let's yeah. make sure it gets out there, um, because when you see it, you will. It'll be so much bigger than you, right? Um, and it'll be a documentary that, if you spend the ninety minutes, it'll change your life. And I'm not saying that from, hey, that was a great film. I loved it. it you know, 
very entertaining. Change. It right. will, your soul will be changed by seeing it. So where can, where can our listeners kind of follow that and, and reach out to your Instagram? Yeah. yeah our Instagram is, okay. is, um, our most powerful platform, I would say. Okay. Um, so just at Sturry, S-T-I-R-Y, okay. um, stands for stories that stir once again. And, and that's, I mean, if you have ways to help direct messages, um, we have right. somebody that's watching that like a hawk right now, trying to, to help grow our influence and what we're doing. And, um, we would just love any support we can get on there. Cause we have a, just a, we already have amazing community and we're just, right. well, let's put it out there. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen for sure. Well, thank you so much for coming. Thanks this for has having been me. Fantastic. So and thanks for already confirming that you're going to come back <laughs> for booking on my air, second appointment. on air. Yeah, yeah, we got to get him back before he wins I just, his uh, I just, Oscar for this <laughs> no. do, for this documentary. I don't want to have to call his agent to get <laughs> right. this time. I will try to get my wife to to come on here. You, you guys would love her, and um, oh, we can't wait. Yeah, that would be, be that would be such a cool she thing. Needs, she has a, a big voice in in this process, and she needs to be recognized for that. Cool. Well, thank cool. you so much. Thanks. Thank you.